1: with Colwell Banker in Bakersfield, California. Last year she closed 138 transactions with a total sales volume of $16 million. Her average sales price was 118000 of which 34% were buyers and 66% were sellers. Last year she had a four-member team, one sales partner, one office manager, one assistant, and one team leader. Louise Juracek is the team leader of the Louise Juracek team. She's been an agent for 33 years. She works the Kern County market. In this call, Louise talks about selling 35 homes her first year while working part-time in real estate. What she did to get the top agent in her office to mentor her. How she personally closes over 100 transactions per year. Starting every day by asking, where's the deal coming from today? setting the ambitious goal to schedule 100 appointments in four months. The script for engaging your family, friends, and past clients in your goals. Why you should go elephant hunting one day per week. How to become the multiple listing salesperson for a new home builder and list their excess inventory in the MLS. Why you should track unsold inventory. How to make lunchtime pay off in referrals. Her minimum commission income goal per transaction. The script that captures the open house visitor's attention within 10 seconds. Why she keeps her past client and sphere of influence list small. How she generates over 60% of her business by repeat and referrals. Her referral script, including a role play that results in two leads. How her love of people results in clients for life. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Louise.
2: Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Louise, it's great to have you
1: here. Louise, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate.
0: What did I do before I became a real estate agent? I was an intensive care nurse. I um, had a different career path. I was going to be a doctor. I got married married kind of young, and um, when I went back to school, to work on a four-year degree, I switched from nursing to marketing and management, fell in love with marketing, and uh, from there, went and applied for jobs in pharmacy sales, thinking that would be a really good thing, but I was always really, really interested in real estate. I'm a farmer's daughter, and I was very, very interested in owning real estate, so Part of my thing when I came into real estate, i just graduated from college with a marketing management degree, was that I was going to continue to work full-time as a nurse and I was going to work in real estate part-time. Well, I started in real estate and my first day on the job without any training, I talked somebody into the office and they came in and bought a house. I had no idea what I was doing. My first year in real estate, I sold... I want to say it was like 30, 35 homes, it was a million dollars in sales in a market where the average sales price ran about $50,000, $60,000. So that's how I got started in real estate. And in about two years, I was talked into joining another office from where I had been. And that was a very progressive office. They were the first office in town. I mean, this was a long time ago. They were the first office in town to bring computers into the office. So um, they were very progressive. They were very advanced. They were always cutting edge. And uh, within two years of working there, the broker owner said, you've got to make a choice. You can't, you can't continue to do nursing and continue to do real estate. You've got to, do, you've got to make a choice. And you're really good at this, and I think you should make this your choice. So that's how I ended up in full-time real estate sales.
1: You sold 35 homes your first year, and you were part-time?
0: Well, I was a nurse, and nurses have, I I worked 12-hour shifts, so I could work three 12-hour shifts and be full-time in nursing, and then spend another 30, 40 hours in the office, and I did, because, quite honestly, I was getting divorced, and um, where where better to be when you're getting divorced than in the office, and I had a, I I was determined that I was going to succeed at this, because I wanted to own a lot of real estate. (laughs) Plus, I was getting divorced, and I was starving, I had to work.
1: Do you recall what you were doing that first year to get so much business so quickly?
0: I went and took a lot of classes because, as you know, when you take the real estate exam, uh, it's... You don't really know anything about selling real estate, and all I knew was nursing. And quite honestly, I thought I was one of these nice, touchy feely people because I've been a nurse for 10, 12 years. And when I, in college, when I took a strengths deployment inventory personality test, I discovered that really and truly I was a very aggressive, assertive person. <laughs> and uh, so, what was I doing? I knew nobody in town because in nursing, I wasn't able to take um, my other than talk to people there, uh, but where where my transactions really came from is I had another another agent in the office that was one of the top mega producers in the office, and I watched everything that she did. She placed little ads in the paper. I placed little ads in the paper and talked to people when when I answered those calls. I realized very early on that I didn't want to do floor time, that floor time was just years ago the um, salespeople answering the broker's phone, So um, I placed all these little ads in the paper. Well, that got me buyers and ultimately got me sellers, but I also started working expired listings and would get the listings, do broker open houses, that kind of thing. And that's how I built my business.
1: You mentioned something interesting. You mentioned that you discovered your personality wasn't exactly what you initially thought it was. Are you familiar with the DISC personality profile?
0: Somewhat, somewhat, but not really, really well.
1: Okay, so you don't know where you score out on DISC?
0: I don't know about DISC but um, my current coach had my entire team take personality tests and I continually come out as being very extroverted, very assertive, very aggressive in whatever personality test I take. And I am, that's who I am. I have to kind of like watch, you know, I have to dial myself back lots of times, especially with my staff, I have to be the warmer, nicer and more cuddly when I'm working, I have one thing on my mind. My whole thing is, where's the deal coming from today? Every day you start at zero, and where is that deal coming from? I was just explaining that to one of my buyer's agents, who is kind of, he kind of like sells a house, and then he disappears. He's kind of, he's here, but he disappears. He's not, he doesn't really, he thinks he's working, but he's not. And I was trying to explain to him, see, we're looking at our sales board. That's a Blank sales board. Don't, don't look at what's written up there. There is nothing there. Today is zero. Where's the deal coming from? So that's, that's kind of where my brain's at every morning. That's kind of a Mike Ferry thing, you know, start the day at zero. Well,
1: if I were to guess, I would guess you're a D or a DI on the DISC personality profile. Very direct, very bottom line oriented and results oriented. And you just proved it again right there. So I think that's exactly where you are. That's fantastic.
2: Okay, now I'm going to lay below you. Why I'm actually an introvert? What's that? I'll say that again? You're now an introvert? Actually, my personality is—I'm actually an intro—very introverted
1: person. Okay, but a minute ago I thought you said you were extroverted. I'm confused. I test extroverted,
0: but my true personality style is very introverted. I was always extremely shy, and somehow by when I started selling real estate, taking. Taking all the classes I took, uh, and I did Howard Brinton Star, Star Power for several years. Somehow, and then with I had some wonderful mentors that took me under their wing. I blossomed. It just <laughs> I wow. changed, and I'm still I still really much like to be alone sometimes. I have to have that time to recharge, which is what an introvert's really about. My big escape is if I'm having uh, a day that's maybe not so happy is to find a a two hour window and go see a movie Mm -hmm. and get away from the phones, get away from everybody and just be alone and then I can recharge.
1: That's neat that you found that and a way to, as you said, recharge your engines. Well, let's do this. Let's, Let's talk about what's been going on here recently. First of all, how long
2: have you been in real estate now? Since September 3rd, 1983, 33 years. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year I sold 138, and in 2014 I sold 147. Do you recall the the sales volume last year? Sales volume last year was um, 16 million, 16 million three.
1: When we were preparing for this call, you had you had mentioned that you have recently committed to setting and going on 100 appointments uh, between August 20th and December 31st. You had some very clear dates, and that's basically just slightly over four months, just a little over 100 days. That's like six, six, six appointments a week. That's a very aggressive goal. And how did uh-huh. you come up with that goal? I coached with Tom
0: Ferry. I was actually out of Tom Ferry's summit and the last day was the 20th of August and he said when the market's a little unstable which it is right now in my market it is you overcome that with massive action and he suggested he talked about how he did massive action he suggested that we each make a goal to set hundred appointments between now and the end of the year and you know I'm kind of obsessive compulsive and that just works for me that works better than saying i need four listing appointments a week or six listing appointments a week it's like oh my gosh i need 100 appointments by december 31st okay i set one on the way home from the summit and that was an expired listing and i've so far set 10 i've had a couple days out of the office but um i've got 90 more to go and everybody i talk to it's the coolest way to ask for the business I've had uh, four lenders give me give me transactions uh, of listings um, because I would say to them, I've set this goal to this 100 deals between now and the end of the year. I've already set 10. I need 90 more. Who do you know? Who do you have in your pre-call drawer that needs to sell a house? One lender gave me three listing referrals of which I've listed one, and I'm going to list another one on Saturday.
1: So you're going out and asking everyone you know if they can help you with this goal.
0: Exactly. I have this big goal. This is what I want to do. What can you do to help me do this? And you know, lenders, we always forget about our lenders, but our lenders should be feeding us business. Our marketing people, the title company should be feeding us business. Everybody knows somebody. And if we're constantly telling them what we need to do, and you know, I kind of forget that from time to time. And this hundred appointment goal has really kind of got me on fire. To do more business, I'm telling all my clients. Um, I do a lot of client lunches. I, I tend to become friends with my clients, which sounds crazy, I'm sure, but I love my clients. And I'll take clients to lunch and talk to them. And of course, I don't even have to bring up real estate. They bring up real estate to me. And then pretty soon they're saying, well, I refer all my people to you. And I said, well, who do you know now that needs to buy or sell a house? And it's a great way to get business.
2: Plus I get to eat. (laughs) Right. And you get to write it off. And I get to write it off a little bit of it. (laughs) <laughs> very good,
1: very good. Well, let's let's step back and let everybody know where you're at. So, where is Bakersfield, California?
0: We're in the San Joaquin Valley, which is just about an hour north of Los Angeles, California, about two hours north of Fresno, smack dab in the middle of what they call the breadbasket of California. The big industry here is agriculture and oil, and when egg and oil are good, while well, we do great oils very slow right now. And so we've had a lot of people laid off. So our market's starting to be, the upper end market's starting to be a little bit slow.
2: Do you know what the the population is in your area? Greater Bakersfield runs close to a million people. That's all the county pockets.
1: And that's the market that you work? Do you work that entire 1 million population market?
0: I pretty much work the entire market, although I focus pretty much on the west Side of Bakersfield, how, where where most of the newer properties are. However, um, I I work with clients all over. I have sold as little as this year. I sold a $9,000 mobile home to a client who's been in my life for forever. She's one of my families that I work with, and she was trying to do that, buy a mobile home on her own, and she couldn't, couldn't negotiate properly for herself, so I went and took care of that for her. Um, I think it cost me more to do the deal than the commission, which was probably like $300, but it made my client happy. And once again, you know, you have to honor that with your clients. I feel that they bring me business, they refer business to me, and like I have entire families that do business with me. I'm not going to poo-poo the $9,000 mobile home that she needs to purchase.
1: You said that the low end was a $9,000 mobile home. What was the most expensive home you've been associated with this year? This is Bakersfield.
0: Over 300,000 is only 15% of the market. Over 400,000 is only 6.75% of the market. The most expensive home I've sold this year has been 560,000 in one of our upscale communities. Yeah, I've sold a couple of those this year.
1: Wow, it is so unusual to hear that in the, a California market, we forget that there are pockets of
2: California that are affordable. We're extremely affordable.
0: In fact, we, do, we still have a lot of people that will buy here so their families can have a life and commute to work. I was in Anaheim a year ago and got lost. I, I was... At a, at a training event and went to Disneyland every night, which is my favorite place in the world. And I left at midnight one night, and I was busy talking to a family and got on their bus. And the next thing I knew, I'm still talking to them. And I'm halfway across Anaheim, way where I should not be from my hotel, so then they were very nice at that hotel. They called a taxi for me. It's just now 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a little scary. And then we're going across to Anaheim with this Indian taxi cab driver, and we're talking about where I'm from. And I said, you're not going to know where it is. It's Bakersfield. Now, this man drives a taxi cab in Anaheim, and he says, oh, my family lives in Bakersfield. I bought a house for them two years ago. They live there. I drive taxi down here. They have good schools up there.
1: that's great that's a small world isn't it (laughs) it's a really small world wow wow fantastic well now you're you start describing your current real estate market what is the average price then in the market
0: average right now runs about 240 250 out there prices are flat 250 and under we might still get multiple offers but that's a little sluggish uh, if you get under 100,000, we're definitely going to get multiple offers, and I just listed a little 139,000 dollars court ordered sale. Upper market once we hit about 290 and up, which gets out of our FHA market, our FHA sales price is 281 and under. Once we get to that 290 and up, it's very sluggish to where it's starting to kind of taper off. Our onsold inventory, which is the index I really like looking at, is running close to three months now, up from two years ago when we were almost less than a month.
1: So you're looking at the absorption rates?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I usually like to look at. And you said you're around three months right now? Close to three months, Uh uh-huh. It went from one to three, so you know the market is starting to slow down. Yeah, two years ago, we were just about one. Do you think that that's going to continue in your area? Do you, you have a crystal ball? It depends upon what, what oil's going to do. It depends. I
0: really truly, you know, it depends upon the elections and it depends upon what oil's going to do. If oil comes back in, this is Bakersfield, it goes up, it goes down. When I started selling real estate, the unsold inventory ran somewhere between a year and a year and a half. That was it was a horror, you know that was a very tough market. Um, it was a 16, 17, 18 percent interest rate coming down from in the 20s. Remember that market?
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: well, you're probably a lot younger than I am. But the deal is, is um, it was a tough market. And how I survived in that market, I made friends with a loan officer who was very brilliant, and he taught me how to sell. Some sound horrible, but he taught me how to sell negative amortizing loans. And negative advertising loans of the old FHA 231, and um, you know what? People need to get into a house they couldn't afford the horrible interest rates. This got them into a house, and most of the people kept those houses. And then the other thing that kept me alive was we had all the FHA no money down, subject to assumables, meaning whoever took over the loan didn't have to qualify. So those and learning how to sell loans kept me alive. In fact as the markets change, the more you learn about loans as a real estate agent, the more you understand the numbers that are involved in those real estate transactions, the more transactions you can do.
1: We've been in this era, this last decade of very, very low interest rates and and pretty much easy money. But that's probably going to change as we just don't know when. And when it does, financing is going to become critical, isn't it? It is.
0: And, you know, right now, one of the things I'm doing with my team next week is a mandatory meeting with one of our lenders at co-markets with us to um, talk about and have them present all the different no-money downloads that are available. You know, there's so many people, that don't, good people, that don't have any money, that can't save because of the economy, but are paying huge monthly rent rates, they could very easily afford to buy a house, they just don't have a savings. And I know that sounds like, "Wow, well, here we go to the market crash again. But these loans are better. They're not, um, they're not those horrible uh, no money down equity loans. So the, the thing is, is um, we're going to go have a class with our lender on these no money down loans so that my agents can talk knowledgeably when they're talking to buyers.
1: There are a lot of programs available. Often they're promoted by a state agency. And so you should look up your state agency and what's going on in your market. Talk to a great lender and they'll be able to teach you about these type of programs. They're usually in conjunction with an FHA loan or something along those lines. So it's a good program to help people get into home. So great point. Let's talk about this. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market?
0: You know, I've been so blessed with people doing repeat and referral business with me that the majority of my business, 66%, two thirds of my business, is the repeat and referrals. Because of the new home sales, I am very much back into um, sitting open houses. I, for years, never sat an open house, and in 2007, when the market was so horrible out here, I. Um, discovered that Lennar Homes had inventory. And I could sell my clients that inventory, and they had special loan programs, back to those loan programs. And then they were offering, they had their new home consultants in a centralized location, and they were offering resale agents the ability to sit their inventory homes out in the communities. I sat every day of the week if I could. I sat when there was no air conditioning in the summer, I sat when there was no heat in the summertime, that went on through 07, 08, 09, in 10 there was a management change and they changed everything up, they put the new home consultants, the community, but in conjunction with that, they also, I had no idea they were going to do this, hired an MLS agent and the new home consultants recommended that I get the job. And so I was very blessed to become a multiple listing salesperson, meaning that if they have inventory they can't sell, that I can can and do list their inventory. It also gives me and my team a intro into sitting open houses in their communities and that pushes the average commission dollars up for my team. Our new goal this year is to have a minimum commission of $6,250 for every deal that we do. You know, I'm, I'm constantly focused on you know, yeah, I'm gonna do a $9,000 mobile home, but really and truly, when I'm working, I'd like to work for $6,250 or more. If you have that minimum commission in your brain, it really helps. So we get a lot of clients coming through those, and if we sell one of those, when we sell one of those, we're selling and getting a nine or $10,000 commission, which may not sound like much, but in the Bakersfield market it is a terrific commission to receive. It produces sellers, it produces buyers. I, I, I've become a total believer in open houses. Uh, I'm about ready to invest in ugly yellow signs, the ones where you put up 40 or 50 of these ugly yellow signs, open house signs. And there's the other key, open houses. Lots and lots and lots and lots of signs draw people
1: in. Now you've been doing this, you've been doing these open houses for a while, and it sounds like you've been focusing on these new home construction properties. They're vacant, they're easy to access, you you can get in there often, you put up a lot of signage, get people in. It's the extra inventory from the builder, that's why they're willing to do it. You said that the, one of the keys on the success with these open houses is signage. What other things make these open houses work?
0: One of the things is is having my picture and my name on the signs. A lot of people come in because they see my name, they recognize my name, and or they've done business with me before and they want to say hi. And that gives me a chance to ask for a referral and or to see where they're at with selling their house. I've had clients that I've kind of lost touch with find me because of my open house signs.
1: When do you typically hold these open houses?
0: Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5. We staff anywhere from six to 10 open houses a weekend. and we're doing not just new homes, we're also doing resale. In addition to which, um, we do drive time open houses. Um, that's something I learned from somebody that was involved with Howard Brinton years ago, especially during the time of the year when there's a lot of daylight. Just go out. You don't need an ad. Just put your sign up during drive time, which can be anywhere from 3 to 6. Depends upon your community. And you get some interesting people walking through there that you're not going to catch on the weekend. The other thing that open houses have done for me has improved my ability to close people and to sell people, because when you walk in, you know, it looks like such an easy job to be a new home agent, but when, when they walk into that open house, you have about 10 seconds to capture their interest, 30 seconds, they're going to be gone if you haven't brought up something there that you can offer them that will induce them to stay and talk to you. So it's, it's really, I feel, improved my ability to sell homes.
1: What is that thing that you say or do to capture their interest in the first 10 seconds?
0: Almost always I'm just welcome to my open house. I have my hand out to shake their hand which most people can't resist. Hi, I'm Louise and you are and they give you and almost always give you their name and from there what brings you out today? Are you just kicking tires? Are you are you? which one of you wants to buy a house today? And I I go right right for, you know, do you want to which one of you is going to be buying a house? And I kind of make it light and jokey. People like, like they, they're, they're nervous. They may, maybe are just getting started looking at houses and they, they need that lightness. They le- need some humor. Humor really helps to make people so comfortable that they're going to work with you.
1: So you go right in there and immediately start talking about real estate.
0: Exactly. And honestly, in the old days when I do open houses and sometimes I would, you know, I actually sit at the kitchen table and write an offer on that house and have that offer for the seller when they came home. But, you know, I was reluctant to do all that. You know, of course, I was a newer agent and I was learning. But it wasn't until I sat the new home open houses and watched the new home agents who are trained to to be able to capture people in that first 10 to 30 seconds that they walk in the door I started watching them and started watching what they're doing and I was like oh wow I need to step up my game here and you know and it's very productive I sat one open house about a month and a half two months ago out of that and that's that that's my other key I work the open house is longer than most people normally would. We sit from 11 to 5. That's when we're supposed to be there. But then I normally stay if it's daylight from 5 to 7. And during the 5 to 7 hours, I catch the people that miss the open houses for whatever reason. They missed all the open houses around town, and they're all closed, and they walk into my open house, and they're ready to buy a house. So one weekend, this weekend about two months ago, I sold them a house that was a $10,000 commission, listed their house, sold that myself to one of my investors. It was an $18,000 day.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. So you're getting in the flow. You're getting in the flow of business. Do you do any other advertising for these open houses other than the signage?
0: I advertise on Zillow. We advertise on Facebook. Just invested in Smart Zip last night. I've been looking at it for a long time, it's a a geographical farm, but one of the things they're doing is they help me with my Facebook management, because social media right now is producing a lot of buyers. We also e-blast to all my sphere of influence, my past clients. We e-blast twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which seem to be the best days through emailing or e-blasting. We e-blast information about the homes we have on the market. Um, on the multiple listing, we can put up our open houses, and since Realtor.com is where the public goes to get a lot of their information, I, uh, we, we post every single open house we're doing uh, on Realtor.com. In fact, all my new homes are posted as an open house for, for Saturday and Sunday on the weekend, and one of my assistants does that for me every week, and that actually brings
1: a lot of people in. So you're spending a lot of time at open houses, you and your people. Are buyers and sellers constantly flowing through, say, that 11 to a 5 Saturday and Sunday? Or do you have some downtime? And if you have downtime, what do you do during that time?
0: Quite honestly, during my downtime, I'm very likely, and I, I, I bring phone numbers with me to call, but I also will take time. I will uh, read something that I really want to read. I'll listen to something I really want to listen to. I will make phone calls and reach out to people that I've been trying to contact. Um, I have a buyer's agent who's an extremely tenacious uh, lead follow-up person, and she spends all of her downtime in her open houses doing lead follow-up.
1: How hard would it be for a, an agent in another market to, to strike a similar type of deal? What would they do? Would they, they go into the new home builder and ask if they can hold some of their properties open? How would they approach it?
0: I guess it would depend upon the market, and quite honestly, I kind of fell into it. I didn't realize. I remember um, the broker owner of this company, when he realized what I'd done, that I'd landed this gig as a multiple listing salesperson for the, for Lennar, he actually said to me one day, he was like, wow, he says, I've never seen anyone that can change with the markets like you do. He was just kind of blown away, and that was the year that the REO agents were all supposed to beat me for production, and no one had beat me before. and. I actually beat them on volume. They had to create a new category here for top units to make one of the multiple REO agents happy. So, uh, I, you probably don't want to include this in the interview, but anyway, the deal is is, is I, I lucked into it. All I was doing was trying to keep my business going in the market that we were in, and it was an opportunity. And so That's what I'm thinking is constantly look for the opportunities Years ago at a Howard Britton seminar, and I I love what you're doing, Mike, because listening to top agents talk, um, I've done that for years. I used to listen, sit every morning as I was getting ready for work, I'd be listening to top agent CDs from Howard Britton, and my gosh, the ideas and the encouragement. Is just constantly looking for that opportunity. One agent talked about looking for an elephant, and here I was just trying to keep my business going in that horrible 2007-2008 market here, and I lucked into an elephant. This uh, this agent at Howard Brinton always went elephant hunting one day a week. And so that maybe that's what an agent needs to do is take the time to go look for where are the elephants in this community, i.e., the big business that I could be doing if... I wasn't just focusing on selling a house here and there. So, I mean, one of the other places that I want to go is into multifamily. I have a lot of training. I know how to do 1031 tax-deferred exchanges. I do do those, but I haven't really worked that market the way I would like to work it. And that will be another place to take my business and grow it more.
1: Have you started down that path yet to work with the multiple family? I do.
0: I do a little of it. But it's more like it comes to me. It's not something I'm going out and securing. And it's just when I have time, that's one of the next places I'm going to take my business.
1: Are there other elephants that you've bumped into or gone after and been successful with over the last 30 years? You've mentioned this open houses with builders. You've mentioned that you're looking in the future at multiple family. Let's go back in, in the past. What other elephants have you bumped into?
0: Well, I don't know that I have a lot of times it's finding that investor that wants to buy a lot of real estate, sell a lot of real estate if you when you can find that investor to work with, that's nice, steady bread and butter business coming in. And if you look at the commission dollars over the years, that can turn into an elephant. But also you know back to your question about how do you work with a builder is going out, getting familiar with their products, uh, talking to the new home consultants, talking to the builder, letting them know what you can do for them, bringing them out a treat. It sounds crazy, but you know people like goodies, and especially new home consultants, they're stuck there. Lots of times it's a, it's a long day. It can be very boring. Bringing them a soda, bringing them a snack, and doing that on a consistent basis so they get to know you. So if they have a house to list, you're the one they're going to think of. It's a long process you don't you don't always just 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 go and ask for the business and get the business you sometimes have to work that business for a long time to to finally see it the, the good fruition but but I have um, other friends that work for for new home builders in town as multiple listing salespeople for different smaller builders and from what I've seen that's what they do they go out they talk they make sure they know what, what what the, the builder knows what they can do for them. Builders, you know, are a little resistant. You know, they need us agents, but at the same time they look at the commission dollars they're spending and they're like, wow, you know, you're like, a, you're like an obstacle I have to deal with. But at the same time, they need us. And so if you can go out there and show them constantly, be pleasant, be nice, show them that you know what you're doing, and, you know, bring a treat.
1: You mentioned something interesting. There are other builders in your market. Have you considered expanding this idea by working with other home builders? I and my
0: team are not allowed to work with other builders. We can only work with Lennar.
1: So that's a restriction you have with them. How long is that agreement for? What, maybe a year? Do it a year at a time?
0: I do have a contract with them. However, I serve at their will. And, you know, I have one person in my office. Over half of her job is... Doing all of the work that's involved with our Lenar activities, just the office work that's involved with Lenar.
1: What percentage of your business has come in through that effort? What what type of volume are we talking about here?
0: Just the listing volume is thirty three percent of my business, and then we lump in any any anybody that comes in, like the the uh, people that bought a house from me out there and listed and sold their house. I throw that back into the other 66%.
1: So we're talking over 40 transactions a year are coming through this relationship with the builder. Just from listings.
0: And that doesn't count the buyer sales and the business that we take because not everybody walking through that door is going to buy a our house. We're going to take those people out and sell them another house and we're going to take those people out and uh, list their house. So that business... I don't count that as part of the one-third. It comes from sitting in those open houses, but it it really reaches into the resale market. So I just look at it a little differently.
1: Let's switch gears here and let's talk about an even bigger part of your business, and that is past clients and sphere of influence, repeat and referrals. Sounds like that's about two-thirds of your business, about 66%. First of all, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? If I keep it trimmed up, it runs up close to a 1,000. And if you were to break that up into parts, how many of those are past clients versus how many of those are sphere of influence?
2: Probably somewhere 50-50. That's a pretty good list. That's a pretty tight
1: list compared to some of the other folks we talked to. So I assume that you're a little selective about who goes in that database. Who's going into that group? Is it just your past clients? People
0: I've worked with, people that I know personally, people that have sent me business in the past, people that I like, people that like me. I go to the grocery store. My husband came home from the grocery store one day and I tend to like, I don't know, I think it's probably my farming background. I like to do business with the same people over and over and over again. So I find a convenience market right now. I've got a convenience market. That's where I like to go. I know the owner. I know the clerks. They know I sell real estate and I didn't have to say a word and they take my card. and They talk to me about real estate and that's a place where a lot of real estate agents go through. The grocery store, my husband came home from the grocery store one night and was like, honey, they all asked about you. They all know you over there. And the thing to remember is, you don't know, you know you have to go in, you be nice, you be friendly, I talk to everyone, I let people go ahead of me in line, and then I start a conversation with them, and somewhere in there is going to turn up real estate, and from there I can ask them if they know of anybody who's going to buy or sell real estate, and oh, by the way, when do you plan on
1: making a move?
0: And it's so friendly and so easy, and we're just chit-chatting. We're making friends.
1: And That's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: It's exactly. It's just. It's just loving people, and I love people. Uh, I go to church. I don't go to the most. Uh, I don't. I don't go to the great big church where all the business is. I go to a nice little church. They all know I sell real estate. I don't go there because I want business from those people. But they all know I sell real estate. I never bring real estate up. They bring it up to me, and. I, they, I do a lot of business out of that church, but I don't go there because of that. I go because I love the people, and, you know, if you love people, it all comes together.
1: In your database, you have a thousand. You said you
2: keep it trim. Are there times that you take people out of your database, and how come? Yes, yes. Why would you take someone out? If you have someone that's difficult to work
0: with, why would you ever put them in your database?
2: And it's not that I don't mind working with difficult people.
0: I actually look at it as a challenge. I've had people come into the office in the past years who for some reason were mad at me about something and the broker, of course, immediately wants to move them to another agent and I'm like, absolutely not. And I sit down and talk to them and figure out what their problem is and I, I, I love doing that, you know. How can I make these people happy? But then you have that person that you can never, ever, ever, ever make happy. Why are we wasting our time with them? Why would you ever want to do business with them again? Put them out of your database. The other place to go is your orphans, the people that um, every person that buys them in our house, whether they're represented by us or not, most of the time, you know, they're going to just, my listings, they're not, those are adopted, those are orphans, and those come back and do business with me. And the other thing to remember is the sellers, sellers of the houses that you represented buyers on. I've gotten calls over the years from people who said, you don't know me, but you sold, sold our last house. You represented the buyer and we hated your guts. However, we said if we ever bought a house, we'd use you. <laughs> so the thing to remember is, you know, I mean, you have to be ethical, honest, and, and, and that's the biggest thing I bring my clients is, is my honesty. But if you do a good job, the other people are watching also.
1: They respect your skills.
0: And you can treat everybody fairly and still do a really good job for your clients. And the other people are watching, and the other people will recommend you. They'll come back to you over, say, another agent because they saw what a great job you did representing another client.
1: On that database of past clients and sphere of influence, where do you keep the database? Is there a software program you use?
0: Right now, we're using Contextuality. However, yesterday I've been looking at SmartSip for a long time. I invested in SmartSip for the entire year. I'm so proud of myself. I bought the whole thing. I just paid for the whole year. Committed—that's how committed I am to it. I chose. um, I had a farm that I was always already kind of looking at. Geographical farming is really becoming a way of making personal contact with people. So uh, that's the next place we're going with my team is into this geographical farming. I picked two communities. With SmartSib, they're looking using predictive analytics. And the analytic, predictive analytics allow them to look at everything about a person in a community and tell when they're going to be likely to sell a house again. And that's one of the new big things out there. And the farms that I chose is about 2,200 people because I didn't want to go too big. And out of that 2,200, they've identified... 410 homes that could possibly sell in the next year and predictably realistically there will be 183 listings out of that farm this year their thing was that I should pull 18% of those based upon the program that they're going to do for me and everything's automated so I and my staff pretty much don't have to work on it and they will also be my CRM so I can eliminate my contactuality account
1: I'm really curious how that's going to work. You're, you're just starting up with I'm them. We'll excited. have to touch base with I'm you in like a year. I'm <laughs> so excited about this. You have
0: no idea. And, and the communities I chose, one of the communities I chose was the first new home community for Lenar that I worked in. I was out in the community. People knew me, pe- even the people that didn't actually be re- represented by me, but I helped them in some way because, you know, all you have to do is help one person. And, and even if you didn't get paid to help that person, They know someone else that's going to buy or sell a house with you. And so, because I was in that community for, um, from nine, from 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. I think we finally finished that community out about 2012. Um, I have a lot of clients in there already. I'm already doing business out of there. And then I chose another community. I I kept the prices down. The average price is going to be somewhere in the 250 and under, which is a very active market in Bakersfield. So that's what I was looking for. And the other community that I also chose uh, is in a school district that everybody wants, and there's a lot of activity in there, a lot of turnover, because when you, when you uh, do a geographical farm, you want to have a certain percentage of t- turnover. You should be looking at the turnover and trying to choose a high turnover community to farm in. So right now, they're predicting without the program, it's like an 8 or 9% return, uh, and with the program, it's going to run somewhere between 18 and 20%.
1: Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. The most impressive thing that I heard with all that, and by the way, I love geographic farming, but the most impressive thing that I just heard is that, Louise, after 33 years of being in real estate, you are still super excited about the business and about the opportunities that are out there for you. I think that is fantastic.
0: Well, can I tell you something? I've always felt like, oh, I'm really not that good. I mean, okay, Okay, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of the big productive agents. And then um, I went back into coaching with Tom Ferry, and I didn't know about you. I probably would have gone with you. But um, in 2013, I went back, and it was pretty rough getting started. I had a great coach, but it was rough. And all of a sudden, he got me to this big breakthrough in about eight months in where I was able to acknowledge that I really am a great agent, not to be boosting my ego, but I am a great agent. I really know what I'm doing. I have power when I work with people. And that, like, just turned my business around. I just can't tell you, because I never felt that way about myself before. And it was like, wow. And, and, you know, and for years, I, I was always, like, one of the top agents, but I didn't feel that way about myself. And it was like, the power from admitting that and... You know, coaching. You know, when you start out, you you just don't you don't give up on it. You keep it. It's going to be a little difficult at first for most people, but you keep going and you get a good coach and you make these breakthroughs and then it's like, wow! See, I don't see myself retiring anytime soon. And I'll tell you, I just had my birthday. I'm 62, um, but I feel that I'm better than I've ever been. I'm in the process of building a team, which is a whole new learning experience for me. I'm all about learning and doing. I was taught by my mother that I was from a very early age that I didn't have to get married. I didn't have to get have children. I must go to college, and I must have a job. I have three degrees. And when you come out of that farming background, you know how to work. You're not afraid of work. And that's the biggest thing people need to know coming into this business it's not easy. It's hard. And you need to invest in yourself. You need to get a lot of education. You need to get into some kind of coaching program. You need to follow mastermind agents. Those are the things that listening to other agents, uh, doing what I did when I was brand new and didn't know anything, uh, finding a top agent in the office and uh, literally attaching myself to her and not taking notes for an answer. I would sit downstairs at night, this agent worked late at night, and I would just listen to her talk to clients. Back before I knew anything. And literally she had no interest in being friends with the stupid new agent. And I insisted and to this day that woman is one of my best friends and is my one of my two longtime mentors. Find a mentor. The the mentor is the mentor is the thing. I have two beautiful, wonderful women that work with me uh, as my assistants. One's my office manager and the other one is her assistant. I stole them for other companies. The one girl I watched for six years, she was a bank teller, had no office experience, but I knew how good she was. They have permission to stand up to me. They have permission to talk back to me. That sounds crazy, I know. They had a hard time getting used to that, but I deal best with people that are strong. And I need people to stand up to me and tell me, hey, if I'm out of line, then, then, hey, if I'm being unreasonable about something I'm asking them to do, they should stand up for themselves. And my girls do.
1: Well, let's do this, Louise. Let's get back to past clients and sphere of influence. You've got this database, you're, you've got a new database system that you're keeping it in. The next question is, how do you stay in touch with these people over the course of a year? Give us kind of your annual marketing plan to your past clients and Sphere of Influence.
0: I'm ashamed to tell you I don't have a, a real annual marketing plan for that. However, I tend to stay in touch by phone calls. We have their emails, we send e-blasts. I used to do birthdays and anniversaries. that that. Has a huge return. That's some place I need to go back to. I will tell tell you quite honestly. I worked from 2008 through about 2013, 2014. I worked without any staff at all, just because I was recovering from what the market did to me, the market crash did to me. So I I didn't work with had, have any staff. So I really kind of lost control of my database. We're really just getting on top of that again. One of the things I want to go back to is the monthly birthday cards, wedding anniversary cards. People love that. I used to send uh, movie tickets. I used to have people call and say, hey, it's my birthday. Am I getting a movie ticket? Especially the young families love it. Uh, One of the things I want to do real soon is an ice cream social. We have a place here called DeWars that is known for its candy and its ice cream. And... It's homemade ice cream. It's a Bakersfield phenomenon, and I want to start doing it, like, especially for my young family, some ice cream socials there where I can do a little meet and greet and treat them to ice cream. In the farm, we're talking, my one bars agent and I are talking about doing, the farm has a beautiful park. We're talking about doing some kind of gathering there at the farm, uh, in the farm at that park. The other thing we want to do at Christmas time is a Santa Claus event. So they can come see Santa Claus and not wait in huge long lines. And of course, once again, that's a little bit more family orientated. And then something else we're going to start doing is happy hours. You know, I think it's my farming background. Again, nobody ever left my parents' house without getting, being fed something. I, I like to feed people and do a lot of lunches, but you can't touch a lot of people. i to start doing happy hours. And it's interesting enough, even my clients that don't drink want to come to happy hours and have food in a restaurant that they might not normally go to. It's a great way to do it. You send out 25, 30 invitations, 15, 20 people maybe will show up, but you've touched every single one of those persons personally. Five or $600 is all that's going to cost, and it's, it's the personal touch again.
1: You mentioned that over the last few years, the market had made corrections, and you had to adjust, and things slowed down. And what I want to know is the reality. So you haven't been doing a lot of these things you did in the past, and yet you still had 66% of your business, a big chunk of business that came out of past clients' sphere of influence. So I'm curious about the things that you did do that were working. And you mentioned that you were making some phone calls, and you were doing some email blasts, and you had some client lunches. So let's focus on those for a minute. When you say phone calls, over the last couple of years, what kind of phone call situation were you setting up? Were you just Calling the same top twenty-five people? Are you calling everybody in your database
2: no, a, a t- certain t- number of times more like a year? Calling like the
0: people that would be like my top fifty, my top one hundred, and people that like me, love me, and will send me business. And it could be as simple as, "Hey, Mike, how's it going?" Great. And now, if I haven't talked to him for a long time, I'm probably just going to chit-chat with them about the family, how are you doing, what's going on, and almost invariably, it's going to come back to real estate, how are my real estate sales. And people like to know, they like to be involved, and they, they want to be a part of it. You know, they want to be part of someone that's doing something. But the other thing you can do, see, these are people you talk to all the time. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? Great. So, hey, Mike, you remember all those cats I have? I do. Well, you know, you remember how how expensive the veterinarian care is and the cat food is?
1: <laughs> I've heard, yeah.
0: Well, Mike, I have to tell you, you haven't sent me anybody in a long time to buy or sell a house. What's up?
1: <laughs> I, I guess I forgot.
0: Well, you know, Mike. Do you know of anybody right now? Because i got to tell you, I think I've got a cat that needs to be spayed, and that's like 300 or $400. Do you know of anybody who's thinking of buying or selling a house?
1: Um, you know, I think that uh, Joe Smith over in the accounting department mentioned something the other day. Really? Do you think it would be okay if I gave him a call?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, Joe's a good guy, and uh, you're great. So, yeah, I think that would work. Okay, can I have his number, or do you want to talk to him first? Uh, why don't I talk to him first? Okay, well then, may I check back with you, what, in two days, a week? When do, when do you want me to check back with you? I'll probably
1: see Joe tomorrow. How about awesome. two days?
0: Awesome, that sounds really, really great. Uh, so I'll be calling you back, um, let's see, two days from now. That's going to be Saturday. Uh, do you think you'd be available for a call about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock?
1: Oh, yeah, I'll be around.
0: Perfect. Well, then I'll give you a call between 10 and 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. And so how's the family doing?
1: Oh, you know, they're doing awesome. Thanks for asking.
0: Yeah. And I saw you had, a, I saw on Facebook, you had another child.
1: <laughs> you are paying attention. Yeah. just had another one. Yep. She's no a gorgeous kidding. baby girl. And you yeah. named her Amber, right? That's right. Well, you are paying attention, yeah? Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, you know, I've been watching those pictures on Facebook, and I just your family's absolutely beautiful. And I see Uh, you've got three children now. When do you guys plan on making a move?
1: You know, we probably should get a bigger place. This is getting a little tight over here. You know, we only have the Mm -hmm. three bedrooms. Probably Mm -hmm. need another bedroom. So we're trying to decide whether to build out another bedroom in the basement or move to a bigger house.
0: Wow. Would you like me to come over and give you a financial analysis of what the difference would be to building out that other bedroom, what the value would be added to your house versus what you could really put in your pocket right now and how that might help you move up into a larger home?
1: You know, that'd actually be pretty helpful. Yeah, I think that might work. Terrific.
0: And you know, as you know, it doesn't cost you anything to meet with me. And then I get to see that
2: baby and hold that baby. And I really love to do that. <laughs> so sure. do you have time this week or is next week better for you? Uh, Well, let me let me talk to Kim, my
1: wife, and get back in touch with you probably sometime early. Early next week would probably work.
0: Wow, early next week, that'd be terrific. And I know Kim, I'd love to see her because uh, she's absolutely gorgeous. She's, she doesn't even look like she's ever had a baby. Um <laughs> so, so would next Monday or Tuesday be better for you guys?
2: Um, let's do Tuesday. Terrific. And you know, you get off work about 5 o'clock, right? That's right. So would 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock work better for you? Let's see. We usually eat around 6. How about 7? Oh, that'd be
0: terrific. So then I'm going to come out and see you at 7 o'clock next Tuesday night. And I know you already have my phone number, right?
2: The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, terrific.
0: So if you have any questions or concerns between now and then, feel free to call me or text me. In the meantime, is your email address still yada yada?
1: It is yada yada.
0: Terrific. Well, then I'm just going to send you a little update with my marketing plan and some information about how I sell homes. Does that sound okay?
1: That sounds great.
0: Well, terrific. Well, then I'll we'll put that in the email to you, and I'll see you next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. I'm really excited about it.
1: Oh, uh, Louise, we're excited to see you. Kim is going to be happy to see you.
0: Oh, I'm thrilled. And I just, I just you know, you, you're some of my favorite people, and I can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And don't forget about Mike and accounting. I'll be calling you Saturday morning.
2: Oh, thank you for reminding me. Okay, cool. We'll talk All right, to you terrific. then. terrific. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Wow, nice job. (laughs) You just found two pieces of business in one call. Isn't that fun? (laughs) It is fun. Nice job.
0: And the thing is, is just pass your card out to everybody. But don't just like, hey, here's my card. I'm a real estate agent. Can I have some business? It's like, Oh, get to, you know, do the thing. Let them go ahead of you in line at the grocery store. Let them go ahead of you in line at the convenience store. And start start chit-chatting and, and care about the questions that you're asking. Care about the answers that you're receiving. You know, the mirroring and matching that uh, so many of the sales programs talk about. If you start mirroring and matching people, I don't know if I was mirroring and matching you, Mike, but the deal is, because is I, I wasn't paying attention to that, but, but um, just start, if you're really interested in people, the business is going to come to you.
1: You were asking a lot of really great questions. Had you learned those scripts or were you just curious and they just kind of the pop up first in your head? part of the
0: script was I learned from my original broker owner, who was a genius salesperson. His spiel used to go, hey, Mike, remember that teenager I got? Yeah. Well, you know how expensive those athletic shoes are? Yeah. Well, guess what? The kid wants a new pair of athletic shoes. He's outgrown the last pair. You know, the last pair were like 300 bucks. This pair he wants is like four or 500 bucks. Uh, I need some help here. Who do you know who wants to buy or sell a house? but that's a, it's just a version, and by the way for years i've fed a colony i'm a I'm a crazy cat lady I've fed a colony of feral cats and i um basically run a rescue and we do have extremely high vet bills and somewhere in the process, my clients know that learn about me and they learn about my cats. There's an interchange. They learn about my vet bills. They've heard about the cat that was a hemophiliac and, and and so just whatever's going on. And, 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 you know, it's just such a natural thing and you keep it light, You kind of humorous, you kind of funny, kind of making funny, funny yourself, you know, and just myself and it just kind of works.
1: And the interesting thing there is that you've given a reason for them to give you a referral. And in a lot of studies, if you give a reason that you're asking for something, the odds of somebody replying to you with a response, it goes way up if you give a reason, even if the reason doesn't make a lot of sense. So the idea that you're asking about tennis shoes or the cats, it's just a reason for them to respond, for them to feel good about replying and complying and being part of the conversation.
0: I have a goal to write five thank you notes, five notes every day. Years ago, and I do it once in a while now, I do the... um Dear Mike, uh, I learned this years ago from another top agent when I was brand new in the business He did this four times a year with his clients. It was a handwritten note. It was hand addressed. It was hand signed by him, and it was, Dear Mike, just a note to remind you that I'm still in real estate. I've set a really big goal for myself to sell 200 homes this year, and I was wondering if you'd be able to help me. If you know of anyone who's thinking of buying or selling real estate, would you please give me a call? I could really appreciate the help so I can sell those 200 homes. Please call or text me at such and such a number. Thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Sign your name. The agent I learned that from built his whole business on that, and he was one of the biggest broker-owner-developers in town
1: at one time. In that case, it's giving them a goal to get behind. To help me.
0: I've gotten calls back saying, hi, Louise, I saw your note, and you know, hey, I know so-and-so, and I'm thinking, would that help you? And don't forget your affiliates, because your affiliates know people, and if they know you, you know, you're giving them a lot of business, you know, ask them for the business back.
1: We started that with the phone calls. and You're making the phone calls to your top 50 or 100 people that made you feel good. How often were you calling them throughout the course of the year? Were you calling them once a year, once a quarter, once a month?
0: Honestly, it should be at least once a quarter, but I am kind of hit and miss on that. But I do follow a lot of people on Facebook. One of the things I was just reading is response time on Facebook. When people do respond to you on Facebook, you're supposed to have a certain response time back. And I do get on the Facebook. I try to be on there every day um, interacting with people that I know, my past clients, my friends, my sphere of influence on uh, Facebook. And that's just really cool because then I find things out about people that I would never normally find out, maybe even a phone call.
2: Have you made that part of your process, these Facebook... I'm, I'm making a
0: concentrated
2: effort to make that part of my process because Facebook
0: is this huge social goldmine, and LinkedIn is very big here with the professionals and a lot of businesses being done on LinkedIn. That's another place I and my staff are going to go.
1: Going back to what you've done in the last couple of years, you also mentioned emails and email blasts. Did I understand correctly that you were sending them out every Tuesday and Thursday?
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, because that was recommended to me by a successful company, uh, that that's the best
1: two days of the week to e-blast. What were you sending out in those emails?
0: I send out uh, information about homes that I have on the market, looking for buyers for those homes. I send out the price sheets for the um, the new homes that I have. I e blast all of the agents, uh, multiple listing agents, in addition to my past clients and sphere of influence. And the thing about working with the new home builder is, you actually have a farm, and that farm, when you're working with the new home builder, is 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 of the other multiple listing salespeople and you need to start farming them because I make more money when a multiple listing salesperson sells one of my new home listings. So in the last three Three years, I've really gotten that I need to be farming these other agents, talking to those agents. I spent the morning at the Multiple Listing Forum, which is once a month, get up there and promote my listings. One time, somebody was up there promoting her listing, and she said something about she wished she could have made her pitch in song. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I sing, what can I do? And I got up there and sang my pitch, anything to kind of make it different. I've sponsored uh, the breakfast at the MLS forum to get a chance to get up there and pitch my Lennar client. And then just go out and reach out to other agents, be available, let them know that that you're approachable, you're easy to talk to, uh, that they can call you for anything about anything, even if it's not one of your listings. And when you're available to help other agents like that, they want to sell your listings. So one thing I was noticing last night, I really improved the amount of multiple listing salesperson sales of my Lennar listings, which puts more money in my pocket. But once again, I love, I love helping agents too, so it works out really good. And you have so many agents, 80% of all the agents in California only sell two homes a year. When they get a, get a buyer, they don't always know what to do with that buyer, but I'll do anything to help them work with that buyer and get a commission. For
1: themselves and everybody wins you win they win the buyer wins the seller wins everybody's winning exactly Louise you mentioned also these client lunches what is a client lunch and how often are you doing it
0: I sometimes lunch every day of the week I got to eat anyway and I figured out years ago that I did better if I got out of the office it's very enjoyable I just I just came from a lunch they're not past clients However, the one lady is starting to talk to me about selling her house. And that's not why we had lunch. We had lunch because I like them. But invariably, real estate's going to come up. People love real estate. They love talking to you about it. They want to know. They want to hear the war stories. And then invariably, that runs around to uh, last week I took uh, one of my top referring clients to lunch. She's been in my life for about eight or ten years and has sent me quite a lot of business. So I took her to lunch and I took the person who's her coworker that I've just completed two transactions with as I took the two of them to lunch, wherever they wanted to go, and uh, just had a beautiful little lunch. I didn't bring real estate up. They brought real estate up. And, oh, by the way, do you know of anybody? And my top referring client said to me, you know, Louise, I tell everyone to use you. So, you know, it's 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 just a matter of You can't just go to lunch and be, you know, some of these lunches that people want to go on is they want to take people to lunch, but they're not really interested in the people. I never break bread with someone that I'm not interested in. And there's almost always something to love in everybody that
1: you meet. Are you intentionally looking to take someone different to lunch each day? Yes. Yes.
0: Yes, although you know I have people that it kind of becomes a repeat thing. But those are also people that do a lot of business with me, you know, and and, and or send me business. So you want to stay in touch with them. But yeah, no, I I, I look to find new people to go to lunch with. I just took I had clients that it, it's it's so simple. I have new clients in my life that just moved here with Nestle, and lovely lovely people and. We had papers to sign, and they wanted to to, to go measure for carpet at their house. So I was talking to them on the phone the night before, and I said, hey, why don't we just go for breakfast in the morning? And they're new to town. They don't know a lot of people. They were, like, surprised because these are people that have moved a lot and worked with a lot of real estate agents. So they were surprised. It was this, huh? And... We ended up, I offered them different places to eat. We went someplace they'd never been before. We were there for about an hour. We had a lovely breakfast. They, they were just, I almost, almost blown away that a real estate agent would do that. And then we went out to the house. And the whole thing is, these, these people are my friends for life. And I may not see them every month, but I have a great relationship with them. And more than likely, they're going to remember me when it comes to real estate because I personally like them. I just love people. I, I I do. I just love people. And, you know, and and honestly, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian and that's what we're supposed to do. We're all one and we love people. And I do, I truly sincerely love people and it, it just blesses my business People want to know that they're important. They want someone else to say, hey, you matter. You're important. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to hear your story. I'm here to try to figure out how to help you. And, hey, I may never make any money on this situation, but that's okay because my job is to help you for the long term, not the short term.
1: Which is why you'd help a lady sell a $9,000 mobile home. That's right. Because you're building friendships for life. You love That's what you're right. doing and you love helping people.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's what it's all about. And, and it just blesses my entire business.
1: Let's shift gears again and let's talk about some of the people that are helping you fulfill these real estate
2: goals. And that is your team. Could you please first describe your team? For the first time ever, I have a real office manager. In the past, I've always had administrative
0: assistants. Way back in 1988, I recognized that I needed an assistant, that I was professional, and I hired an assistant long before most agents in town ever thought about hiring an assistant. And it was a real learning curve for me, you know, and you worry about paying the bills and paying the payroll and all this stuff. But the thing is, is, when you bill out at whatever your hourly wage is, and you know we're professionals, so we should think about what is our hourly wage. And when you're billing out at $100 an hour, $200 an hour, $300 an hour, I'm thinking my husband, who's a CPA, bills out about $500 an hour. Well, he's not going to be doing filing that's not his job his job is to go get clients and bring them in the door and do their taxes or do their financial planning and my job is to solve people's problems help them buy a house help them sell a house and so the assistants take that away from me my main assistant my marketing ma- marketing slash office manager and ultimately she's going to be more marketing than anything else over half her job is just uh, taking care of all the in our paperwork And that's just huge. That takes a good 20, 25 hours of work that I don't have to do every week. I'm still out meeting and greeting and talking to the new home consultants, but she's also helping me do all that and doing all the paperwork. When a Lenar listing comes in, she does the whole thing from front to bottom, and it's a different process than, say, a resale listing is going to be. Then she has an assistant, and one of her jobs, is, one of that assistant's jobs every week is to work her expired program, and she's actually got a whole expired program. We're going back now three years on expireds. Where she's mailing out um, letters and postcards, she's got a whole system that she's mailing out. That my coach helped me to develop. So, and then she gets paid a bonus to help keep her interested in that job. She gets paid a $50 bonus when that house closes, when one of those expired listings comes in and closes escrow. So that's what those girls do, and she's also available. She, she's the errand runner. She's the one that will run out and hang my 1-800 rider signs on my, which I still use on my listings the call capture system, the 1-800-RIDER call capture system on my listings, and she's the one that will go hang a lockbox. Uh, She'll go get the 800-RIDERS off when we close escrow because the sign company tends to toss them away. Uh, But so she's the errand runner. She's the one that will run over. I've got a client right now, brand new first-time investor. We're going to kind of give him a little help getting his house rented that he bought. And so she's, Run over to lowe 's to go buy the for rent sign, so and then she 'll go put the for rent sign up in the yard so that 's what that 's what those two do. I think we 're about ready to grow into adding somebody else to that staff i 'm not sure exactly who that person is going to be. I'd like to hire somebody licensed who can basically I'll go get the listing and she'll free me up to sit down with the clients and go through all the disclosures that we're required to do here in California. You get the listing signed and then you've got an hour and a half of disclosures depending upon the skill set of the client. So I'm I'm really kind of looking for someone like that to Add to my team. And then I've just started adding buyer's agents. One buyer's agent came to me in 2015 and asked to come to work for me. So he's been with me since about February 15. He will produce about one deal a month. My advertising bill with Zillow was $4,500 a month. My realtor.com bill is $1,500 a month. I never thought I'd spend this much money on advertising. So that's kind of a, a first for me. But one of the reasons I took him on board was to help him. He's a longtime friend. And he was finding that floor time, which is a traditional way to get business for most agents, was not productive. There were no calls coming in because most of the traditional realtors, realtor brokerages are using print advertising, and 93% of the business is coming from the internet. So anyway, so Steve was my first, and then a longtime friend of mine who did luxury new home sales for years, she, and I, she came to the office in January of of this year and came because she knew that she'd get to sit my Lenar open houses, and she was retiring from the new home business. And from there, she wasn't getting any four calls, was having a hard time finding business. And it was just a natural for us to get together and talk about it. And she could, she'll she produce about three transactions a month for me. We're just really getting started on that, where she really hit her pace somewhere around June, uh, where she's she's pretty much successfully going to produce two to three transactions a month. She's really very tenacious about her lead follow-up. And then I've added another agent who also came out of new home sales, but once again, I have to look for people that know how to set new home open houses. She's very part-time because she has some health issues, but she's still good. She was out for about four months this year, and now she's back, and she'll probably produce about a deal a month to two deals a month. So that's what we've got going on, but I'm just really learning the team-building process. The Office manager, I've never had a real office manager before. I've had assistants. uh, And this lady, I don't care what it is, I just talk about something. The next thing I know, it's sitting on my desk and she's got a prototype for me. So um, (laughs) that's the coolest thing in the world. Um, The other thing, because I'm all over the place all the time, oh, there's a great idea, oh, there's a great idea, oh, I want to do that. And and then I get kind of distracted. I'm using a do-doing-done board in my office that has all the things I want to do, the things I'm actually doing, and the things I've gotten done, which kind of inspired me that, yeah, I actually completed something. So for instance, I have multiple sclerosis. And I um, just went on early this year, one of my goals was to go on a different Type of injection because I take, was taking injections every day, and now I'm just three times a week on my injections. I have to actually up on my done side. And that sounds crazy, but it was, it was a goal that I needed to accomplish. But um, inspired farming is now on my done side. We're, we're, we've got the whole program up, we've got the whole program running. Something else I invested in that I wanted to do was Bomb Bomb. It was on the do side, now it's on the done side. You know, Bomb, Bomb is all about being able to email video. And post video, do mass mass marketing with that. So, I've also done yikes mailers, yikes mailers. You know, yikes, we sold a house. It's got a baby on it. It's really cute. I actually have gotten listings off of that, even though I wasn't necessarily. It was like a just sold mailer. So, oh, and I have a transaction coordinator that actually works for the office, and she gets paid so much for every every transaction she closes for me. Um, I've always in the past had assistants that managed all my transactions, and it's just so hard to teach that to somebody, and the office has a really good transaction coordinator, so I do give her all my transactions to run.
1: You're bringing in these buyer agents, although I believe you call them sales partners. I'm calling
0: them sales partners. I just heard that uh, at the Tom Ferry Summit, and I was like... Oh, I like that because I I want them to feel like they're really part of the team, that we're all working together for this common goal and this common cause, which is basically it's not really just about Louise, it's branding my name because my name already is out there and everybody knows it. So basically, we're all working together to make more money, each one of us, and we're going to take advantage of the fact that my name is already branded in the community. So I want them to feel like they're really part of this process and I want my clients to know that I'm not shoving them off to an assistant, that they really are getting to work with someone that I've personally handpicked that I know will take good care of my clients and that would be a sales partner.
1: Could you tell us how you've set up compensation for your sales partners?
0: How I've done it is they get 50% of the net commission. So when when i'm on I'm in a hundred percent office, one of those kind of offices we pay so much every year to be in the office when i'm on hundred percent they're on hundred percent and they get fifty percent of my net. when I have to pay my office the chunk I have to pay them every year, they're going to participate in that and normally I'm going to get to 100% way faster than anybody Then they're going to get to 100%, so they'll end up making more money in the long run anyway. Plus, I have all these leads coming in. We're currently nurturing 387 Zillow leads alone. And, you know, that's a whole new word for me in real estate is nurturing. We now nurture our clients because a Zillow or an Internet lead is an eight to nine-month turnaround, at least. And there are people in that lead stack and i tell my people all the time you go back and talk to those one-year-old leads those two-year-old leads because it takes some of these people that long to actually get to the place where they're going to buy a house fascinating because in the old days if they weren't going to buy or sell a house in 30 days it was like why work with them
2: right sure so
0: that's a that's a big thing now is nurturing the leads Uh, I've looked at buying, hiring an inside sales agent. That's something else I'm thinking about, but but I'm not quite there yet. I'm using Zillow's concierge service where the concierge service of Zillow actually answers the phone from like 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. during the week and from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., 7 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, and that really is seeming to help to get the calls captured.
1: Well, Louise, are you profitable?
0: I am actually profitable. I still probably don't spend as much money as most agents do that make the money that I do. I have a CPA for a husband who we agreed years ago when we first got married that we both had established businesses that it probably wasn't a good idea for either one of us to try to tell the other one what to do in their business. But he is on me constantly about profitability.
1: Would you mind disclosing to us what your profit margin
2: is, your net profit margin? I'm working towards a 30% profit margin. Louise, what drives you? The same
0: thing, I think, that drove me to go get three degrees, even though I didn't need an MBA to sell real estate. I am extremely competitive. The person I compete with the most is myself. If you tell me I can't do something, I'm probably going to do it. I'm scared of heights but I learned to snow ski I've skied even in Europe and Canada I have multiple sclerosis my neurologist constantly asks me why I'm not sitting at home on a couch there's absolutely no way that's going to happen because that's not me I and have goals um, I'm very goal oriented there's things I want to do there's things things I, I need one of the things I, I have all this big cat family that I take care of, and the vet bills are very high i I can spend twenty fifty sixty thousand dollars a year for vet bills. But those are the things that drive me i want to um, I want to give back to other people, and you know the the more sales I make, the more I can give back to somebody else
1: Louise, why have you been so successful
0: I just love what i'm doing i i it's weird i I get up every morning i really don't want to stay at home i don't really want to go do anything else but go to work and find a deal i love the whole game i I have an addictive personality anyway and i'm addictive to doing deals you know there's no better high than doing a deal my parents were all about You have to do more, you have to do college, you have to do this, you have to do that. I don't know, maybe I just brainwashed into it, but I am very fortunate to have a husband who has been going to school almost the entire time I've known him, which is like 30 years, and I've seen him go through a master's in tax, I've seen him go through a law degree, and now he's adding financial planning to his business, and the whole deal is is we both enjoy learning We both know that, you know, yeah, I'm 62, but whoop-de-ding, there's a lot of life left, you know. There's so much more that I can do in the next 30 years, and I feel like I'm so empowered that I'm strong. I've I've said this earlier. I'm so much stronger than I used to be. I'm so much tougher than I used to be. Uh, Gee, will you lower your commission? No. Any other questions? Last thing in the world we agents should do. We work so hard. Do not give your money away to people. I mean, you can give your money away for charitable giving, but when you're working for a client, do not offer to give your money away. That's the first thing agents want to do when I'm working to deal with them. Well, let's cut the commission. Well, let's not cut the commission. Let's find another way to make this transaction work because we are working very, very hard. And every time we cut the commission, we've cut the dollars that we need to pay our bills and meet our, our financial goals and our charitable giving here's the deal i'm going to just say this mike everything that i do is because god has blessed me he's taken everything bad that's ever happened to me and worked it to my good he just continues to bless me and i've had some really really bad things happen to me and he turns it around no matter how bad it was no matter how awful it was he turns it around and the next thing I know, here's all this good stuff coming my way. And that means my, my business just keeps growing.
1: Well, Louise, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first?
0: Go get all the education you can get. Go take classes. The Association of Realtors in your area will offer classes. Go take every class you can take. Your real estate company may have classes. Your title companies may have classes. If you can't afford to go take classes and pay for classes, Go take classes. Go out as fast as you can and don't settle for being a salesperson. Go get your broker's license. You've got your broker's license. Go get your GRI, your Graduate Realtor Institute. Get that? Go get your CRS, your Certified Residential Specialist. And the biggest thing is find a coach. Find a coach and find a mentor, at least one mentor that can help you get to where you want to go. The coach will be a mentor for you, but the coaching programs that are out there, your program, Mike, all these things work together, everything. There's nothing I go do in education or classes where I don't learn something that I can bring back and make it work in my business. And then get with your lender. Find lenders that will work with you and teach you because the more you know about lending, the more you'll be able to sell homes. And then the other thing is, is go see the product. If you don't know the inventory, you'll have nothing to sell. And when that buyer calls, you won't have anything to sell. You won't have anything to talk to. If you're seeing inventory all the time in different price ranges, you will be able to, to talk about it and that buyer will work with you.
1: Louise, do you think that top agent interviews like this one with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely.
0: You know, to me, that's something that lived, when Howard Brinton, I didn't know about you, Mike, and it's wonderful that you're doing this. I'm excited to hear some of the people you've been interviewing. That was one of the things that kept me going in the business for years. I'd be like, oh. She's got that problem, too. Oh, she licked that problem, and this is how she did it. Oh, this is how she's making money now in this market. I could do that, too. And and sometimes it was just, if I was having, like, a really hard time getting started on a day, it'd be like, oh, wow, she did it, so can I. I have a top agent's numbers. I'm not going to say his name. But when I'm having a bad day, like, oh, my gosh, can I do this today? I look at his numbers. I actually keep them in a cupboard over the toilet, in my master bathroom, and it just says that he has to make 55 calls to get a, a actual phone conversation with somebody, which will actually lead to an appointment. And for every two appointments, he actually this guy actually makes um, takes a listing or makes a sale. And I look at that stuff and go, okay, yeah, Louise, go back to that. The more people you talk to, this is going to happen. It just reassures me. That's the other thing is know your numbers. If you know your numbers, then, hey, you can do anything.
1: Well, Louise, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners?
0: No, I think I just said them. But, you know, Mike, thank you so very much. It's really cool getting to talk to you. And I'm just really looking forward to hearing some of the other people you've been interviewing.
1: Well, Louise, it was cool to talk to you too. Your enthusiasm for real estate shines through. You wake up each day excited about finding the next person to help. You're able to change with the markets and adjust to the situation. You're willing to take big chances and go elephant hunting. You're driven to succeed, work hard each day, and look for the opportunities around you. You set big goals and go for it. Your love of people makes clients for life. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who adjusted to his new market and sold 297 homes last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment.